Good evening, Cans fans. Welcome to the second episode of the Rod the Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Betts, and as always, I'm joined with my co-host, Mike May. How are you doing tonight, Mike? I'm doing great. Uh, we're a little late this week because we just got back from a little adventure out in the desert. Uh, spent a few days out in Arizona celebrating. What were you celebrating? Uh, well, you know, it's just... Uh, wasn't really I they called big a, or anything. I don't they know called the name. a bachelor party uh, yeah. for you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. And uh, did we do anything fun? Yeah, we had a good time. Uh, went to the Suns' first round playoff game, or well, not first round? Excuse me, first game of the third round, Western well, Conference yep. Final. Uh, it was fantastic. As a friend of the podcast, Stephen Cradelli would say, Marty Booker for MVP. <laughs> I think he was referencing Devin Booker, but we all—he was all, close. He was all, really we close. We all take baby steps into NBA fandom, so we're happy that he is now a Devin Booker fan. We got so, to see uh, a, tune a in next week for our spinoff podcast yes. about Suns basketball because yeah. this is now a Suns podcast. Yes, it is now a Suns podcast. Devin Booker decided to step up and drop forty in a triple double. So all of a sudden, you know, I'm online looking for a Devin Booker jersey. Those but Valley jerseys are sick. but Valley jerseys, I mean, unless you're a medium, you ain't getting one till next year. <laughs> well, great time in Arizona. Um, a lot of good food, some drinks, and obviously that Suns game. But most importantly, no one got arrested. We stayed out of trouble. And Responsible. So we are here to record your podcast this week. Mike, give me a little preview of what we're going to talk about tonight. So we're going to start off with acknowledging the offseason awards really quick. We'll uh, go into some contract extensions that got done that we're super excited about, some contracts that we hope to see happen soon, and then we'll just kind of go from there and see where that takes us. Yeah, I think when you start this awards conversation, since we are the Rod the Bodcast, um, we have to acknowledge the accomplishments of our Lord and Savior, Rod Brindamore, and um, a guy that's been kind of notoriously uh, overlooked by hockey media outside of this market and probably Philadelphia as a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Really nice to see him uh, get honored with the National Award uh, or League Award as uh, this year's Jack Adams winner. Absolutely. Yeah, and if you uh, go back and do some research, which I haven't, and I'm just going to make a broad statement here and take a guess, I'm going to think he might be the lowest paid Jack Adams winner in a long time. At least relative to his peers, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I'm glad, and we'll, we'll talk about his contract in a little bit, but nice to see him get a little pay bump. Probably should have been a little higher, but hey, great to get some national recognition. It's been a long time since uh, any Canes coach or player uh, had received a league wide award. Um, I think the last one was Jeff Skinner winning the Calder. Um, so it had been a minute, uh, basically a decade. So mm-hmm. not only did Rod win the um, Jack Adams, but we also had Jacob Slavin win the Lady Bing. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, obviously anyone in Carolina is going to look at you and say, of course. Um, national pundits may not have agreed because maybe they don't understand the definition of the word the same way I do, but that's a, a whole other story. I mean, the guy had two penalty minutes as a defenseman, and they were for the lay of game, public over the glass, right? Like, this was a no-brainer, elite defenseman, um, does everything the right way, of course, has a tremendous repu- uh, reputation around the community here. Um, I think this was long overdue and probably something he may do again. Absolutely. And I mean, couple all of that, that what you just said, and the guy 
off the ice is a great role model, right? He makes the right decisions. You don't see him getting in trouble. He's not a guy on the ice that is disrespectful to anyone, referees, players, staff of his own team and organization or other teams. He's a guy that wears a letter, so has a leadership role. I mean, he is the guy you want to be the Lady Bing winner. He's the guy you want to look up, have kids look up to, excuse me, and say, that's what I want to be as a gentlemanly player. That is a star. And not to mention, uh, people often say you look like him. So, I mean, that's that's got to be a net positive for him. <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to catch me on looks, but he's not quite there yet. Well, that shouldn't be too hard for him. Um, <laughs> but moving into our next segment, I, I know we talked Rod winning the Jack Adams, but I think we also wanted to talk about his new three-year contract extension. Um, good news for the team. Obviously, was just named the best coach in the league, but I, I think universally is considered – you know, that wasn't a fluke. He's one of the top, you know, three to five guys uh, in the NHL. Um, but also for us, we don't have to change our podcast name. So that's pretty big time. Yeah, that would have been an early rebrand that we were hoping to avoid. Um, you look at the contract and would you have liked it to get done earlier? Yes, absolutely. I think absolutely. At the same time, Rod Brendamore resigns to coach the Canes for three years on June 17th, 6-17, win the cup in 06, number 17. So there's just, it's just weird. It feels a little right, uh, despite being wrong in a lot of ways for having to wait so long. And I think it speaks to him as a person, um, not overly concerned about making, you know, top of the market money. Uh, we saw Gerard Gallant, you know, make pretty much double that rumored. The terms haven't come out yet. The rumor is three years, 1.8, uh, by Elliot Freeman. We haven't been able to confirm that, but that's the rumor. So he's vastly underpaid. It's a great win for the team. He gets to keep his assistance, assuming, uh, Dean Chenault ends up resigning. Uh, but he's currently exploring the market overall. You keep the best coach in the game. I don't think there's any way this could be, you know, viewed as a negative other than the fact, should we be hardballing a guy that's had tremendous success, is a franchise icon, has done great things with your team, kind of embodies the culture. Is Tom Dundon too worried about winning every deal? I think you could maybe say that. I think simultaneously what Brenda Moore did was unprecedented, excuse me, unprecedented, in the fact that he tried to take care of his entire staff. I think I'm going to go out on a limb and say 90-plus percent of NHL head coaches, their number one priority when it comes to signing a new contract is – their contract, right? I don't think there are as many people that care as much about the people around them. And that makes the negotiation a little bit tougher because there are positions that I think Tom would spend the money on. I think Rod is one of them. I don't think he, he, said, he has said that publicly. Correct. And I just, I don't think that he has that same sentiment towards Maybe you're like weight and conditioning coach, right? Or you're one of your assistant coaches. Like he might have a budget for them. Video guys, trainers, exactly. things of that nature. And it's really great that Rod realizes the value of those people that, you know, surround him. Um, so at the end of the day, 
huge net positive, something we can all just stop talking about. He wasn't ever going anywhere. He's yeah. on record saying he wasn't going anywhere. And if he still wants to coach in three years, we'll just do this again. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere but Carolina. No. And when he's done coaching here, hopefully that's in twenty years. Yeah. But heck, let's let's put another banner or a thing up for Rod Brindamore and the great job he's done as a coach, and hopefully that includes uh, winning another cup or two. Yeah, I think. And one last point to the contract, I think. You look at culture, and a lot of people talk about culture, and is that familiarity, is that brotherhood, family, well, whatever you want to put it. I think part of it is, and I think that's what's so important to Rod, is coming into work every day and caring about the guy next to you or the girl next to you, depending on, on the position. I think, I think they've built that, where everyone steps into that locker room and cares about everyone. And I think that's no, no what doubt, you want. man. And there was a time when you couldn't get guys to stay here. Absolutely. Now we're seeing guys not only stay here for elongated periods, signing long-term deals, but taking less to do so. And I think that's a good jumping-off point to get us into our next discussion, which is what's that Andre Svechnikov contract look like? RFA this year, coming off a bit of a down year by his standards. We think in bridge. Do you think they'll do it long term? He's on record saying he wants to play his whole career here. The only player Tom Dunnan's ever talked like this about is Andre Svechnikov. I think there's mutual interest in a long term term deal, but I think it's going to be hard to find that number. I, I don't think he's earned the. I know last year we we're discussing it. You know, a ten by eight. I don't think he's getting that right now. Yeah, I don't. I don't think the ten by eight is necessarily on the table unless management just decides to really dip in and go all in on him which if you're going to go all in on a guy I, I don't think there's anybody better with that being said I'm also going to go ahead and say I think his agent is going to advise him to take a bridge deal because he's op obviously superstar caliber he's not quite there he is a he is a guy on his way there it's not quite there and it only makes sense for him to maybe wait a couple years and see if maybe he can up that from 10 to maybe even more. I think right now, if it's an eight-year deal, I think you're looking at eight and a half, nine million dollars maybe. I think yeah, you're looking I, at Aho money. I think money. you're right. Yeah. I don't think he puts pen to paper on anything less than, what, eight figures? Just because he'll bet on himself for another two to three years. Yeah. And then when he does emerge as one of the game's premier players like we both think he will then he's going to get that 10 plus and he knows that I think the team knows that they're okay with pushing this down the road a little bit I'm sure they're trying to get him to sign you know an eight-year deal at a lesser price ultimately I just think they land in the middle somewhere yeah and I mean it's not too bad when your bridge deal is in my estimation a two by six and a half or something like that I think that's talking about the right range Talking, money. <laughs> and you're talking about $13 million over two years. I don't think that's, it's not a bridge that's uh, going to come crashing down for he, you. He's not going to miss a meal. I'll say yeah, that. He'll be all right. So yeah, I think, I think the Svetch deal probably does become that bridge. And I think part of it also that won't kill management is that that's going to open up a lot of flexibility in the next two years for cap space. I think if he signs that long-term deal, you're going to have two and a half million dollars left per year in cap space. So I think, yeah, I mean, I think you're well, flexible. You know, let's just talk about it like this. 
if he signs, let's say 10, eight, eight, uh, eight years by 10, well, that's 3.5 less per year compared to the 6.5 over two that we talked about. Well, 3.5 million can be a quality player that can maybe be a Barkley Cadreau from Tampa or, mm-hmm. you know, someone that can play in your middle six that can bring a little edge. Maybe it can be a replacement if you lose a Dougie Hamilton. That That's a solid player. I mean, obviously, 3.5 is not replacing Dougie, but you can get a, you know, bottom pairing, mid, mid pairing defenseman for that. I mean, well, yeah, plus Doug, Dougie's current contract is what five and change. So that equals out to eight and change in availability if if dougie is to go and svetch is to sign at three and a half less than what his probably high end value is well since you're just talking about dougie let's just go right into it the the moment we've all kind of been waiting for the reason this episode's called hamilton or hamlet is because of dougie hamilton and hamlet in reference to the shakespeare to be or not to be what are the canes going to do with dougie I mean, I, I think we've seen them play their hand for the most part right now, right? Opening up, allowing other teams to talk to him, and every team has checked in on him. I think you'd be silly not to check in on him, right? So the door is now open for sign-in trade. Or was, it, was it Darren Dreger that said that was unlikely? Yeah, I've also heard, I think it was, but I'm not positive who said it was unlikely. But I've also seen other other people report that a sign and trade could happen. So, I, I mean, I don't think anyone could say anything about it at the end of the day because when there are 32 teams involved, right? Yeah, it sounds weird now, but it's 32. Yeah. When there's 32 teams involved, I can't, you can't eliminate the potential for a sign and trade. I just think that's short-sighted. No, and you're talking about a unique skill set. I mean, analytics-wise, top five defenseman in the league. Uh, some people believe he's if not the best offensive defenseman, you know, one of the top three, uh, if he stayed healthy uh, in 2020, um, was looking very much like a Norris finalist. Can the Canes afford to lose this guy and remain a contender? So I'll say this. I'll say they can remain a contender. Do you want Dougie on your team? Yes. If the price is right. And I, I side with management on this one. I think they have a dollar value in mind that they think sets them up to win now and to win in the future, and they're not willing to go over that. And I and I get that because these are the decisions that make or break franchises, right? You can't just automatically say, oh, we love Dougie because he's great for the fans. He's great on the ice. Um, you have to look at the reality of him being 28 years old, um, and you're almost guaranteed to have, if it's an eight year deal in the eight to $9 million range, he's probably going to be fairly paid for the first two years. The next two years, you're going to be like, all right, he's a little overpaid, not a great deal. And then you're looking at potentially four years where you're like, woof, this deal is burning. The sure. Bank. I'm actually really glad you, you framed it like that because for me, and I'm an on record as being a pro Dougie Hamilton guy. You basically said we'd have four years, two elite years, and then two adequate years. Well, in my estimation, this team's window for the first time, based on what we said last episode, is open. You don't win the cup by losing one of your best three to five players. 
And although we just talked about, hey, if Svetch signs a bridge deal, well, you can bring in a guy at 3.5 that you couldn't have. Well, bringing in two guys, you know, at that number, if you lose a Dougie, doesn't equate to what he gives you. And I think it also sends a, a poor message to the guys in the room that, hey, just like we didn't really invest at the deadline, they brought in Yanni Hockenpah, but that wasn't a, you know, impact move. Guys, this was a division champ. This is a team that with Stanley Cup ambitions, you can't afford to lose a guy like Dougie Hamilton because the truth is you're not going to be able to replace him. Now, if you lose him, maybe you can replace him by bringing in, you know, affords and changing how you play. But your back end is severely weakened and people will, you know, yell at Cloud and go, Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci, great players elite defensive defenseman. Neither of them have the well-rounded game that Dougie brings you, and they certainly don't have the offensive upside. Everyone's going to look better playing with Jacob Slavin. But Dougie Hamilton is a, is a unicorn. It's, like, it's amazing. I mean, Sarah Sivian did the article, I think, a week ago talking about how it's almost amazing when Dougie showed up, they started scoring. The power play opened up. What happens when you lose that? Because they've been a you know pretty freelancing team on the back end, with him being a play driver, you know, elite Corsi, elite puck possession, goals above expected. What happens when you lose that, Mike? Well, first of all, if you don't already follow Sarah Sivan on Twitter, go and follow her. And if you don't subscribe to The Athletic, you need to do that. I think a lot of Canes fans do, but her insights are awesome. Um, when you talk about When you talk about it like that, yeah, I hear you. He's a unique player. He's going to be hard to replace. I don't think it's impossible. I think it just you're going to have to change the way your team plays. Sure. Do I think that's the end of the world? No. I look at a team like the New York Islanders that, as we record today, have taken the Tampa Bay Lightning to seven games, and do they have a single defenseman that can drive offense, analytically speaking? Not that I'm aware of. No, not at all. And well, they've played better against Tampa. But than are we, we going to play that trot style? Is Rod going to change yeah, his? It doesn't style. have to be trot style. No, I'm just saying. Like Rod's very much a wide open. He wants his defenseman, you know, being super aggressive, uh, getting out of the zone, pinching all those things. Losing Hamilton changes all that. And I'm, I'm not saying he's irreplaceable. I'm pro Dougie for the way the message it sends to the room that you're going to take care of your good players. I think he's unique. There's not a right-handed offensive defenseman that we can bring in that's going to replace him, especially without giving up assets. Now, I don't think it's impossible. To me, it's just if you lose Dougie, you have to bring in a requisite level of talent. That doesn't mean bring in a bunch of depth guys because that's just not going to do it. We need more elite talent to get us over the top. Absolutely. No, I agree. I just think, I just think management's opinion on it is they want to win now and they want to win in five years and they want to win in 10 years. I think Dundon doesn't buy into the idea of winning in a three-year window and then rebuilding. And we might all disagree with that. And that might not be typical NHL mentality. But some of the atypical things that Dundon has done have turned out to be successful. So sometimes as much as we look at it and we doubt it, you almost have to let it play out and see if he's right or wrong before we really 
Sure. I mean, there, there's no doubt that Dundon has optimized the team efficiency from how they're operated from the top down. It's equated to wins on the ice. The team has never been this consistent. However, this Dougie Hamilton contract has the chance to kind of throw the wrench in the whole thing. Because if this goes haywire and the team doesn't perform next year, you're no longer a contender and that window gets pushed a few more years down the road, things could get pretty scary. So, Mike, what does Dougie Hamilton want? I think it, I think based on what has been reported and based on his exit interview, he said he sees himself as a number one defenseman offensively and defensively. He sees himself as an all-around number one defenseman, and he's talked about the Petrangelo contract. So you have to think he wants eight years, first of all, because he's at that point in his career. And you got to say if it's near Petrangelo numbers, you got to think it's in the $9 million the, the thing that makes this tough is the rumor, Dougie wants the Petrangelo deal. The Canes are either closer to the Krug deal or they want it shorter. They don't, they don't want to go eight. That complicates things. The issue being, Dougie, debatably, with other than being a cup-winning captain, has better numbers than Peter Angelo. So if you're him, if you're the player, at least analytically, if you're the player, you're going to ask for that. And I, I totally sure. get that, having, having been a former player. But on the Kane side, they have a lot of contracts coming up. We've talked about winning windows. Maybe they don't view it that way. So if Dougie doesn't sign in Carolina, you think he gets a Peter Angelo deal? I think somewhere he's going to get close to that. If he does sign in Carolina, what do you think the deal looks like? I think there's two options for the Carolina deal. I think if he wants eight years and he's stuck on eight years, I think the Carolina deal looks like eight years by six and a half, maybe. Maybe seven. Maybe seven. So a touch above crew. Maybe. I think what the organization wants is three years by 9 million. If they, if he wants 9 million. And I will tell you why I think that makes sense. Because if you look at the hurricanes contracts right now, you'll notice a trend over the next three years. And there are certain players coming up that need to be signed in that window. Number one, Sebastian Ajo. Deals up in 2023-2024. Teravainen, who is on a cheap contract compared to what he brings to the table right now. His deal is up at that point. If Svetch's bridge somehow goes from a two- to three-year deal, you potentially have three of the most important players for the longevity of this roster all going up. And then if you... That doesn't even include Natchez next offseason. Doesn't off include Natchez next offseason. So... The the nine million over three years makes sense because if it comes down to it, you get three more years out of Dougie. He's paid really well for those three years, but then if it comes down to having to resign Aho or Teravinen or a Svechnikov or a Natchez, who also could potentially be a bridge deal guy, and if his is a two year bridge deal, then he's in that window too, right? So now all of a sudden you have a big pack of people that you have to resign, and if Dougie is signed past that. At a large number, one of those three or four guys isn't going to be there anymore. We know it's not going to be Svetch. We know it's probably not going to be Aho unless Aho doesn't want to come back. So 
you lose Teravine and Ernatius. It's almost guaranteed if the deal is over three years and in the money range he wants, it's almost a guarantee that you're going to lose one of those guys. So, so that is the problem about being a team now that is a contender is you're going to have to start losing guys. The situ- the scenario you just proposed, the three by nine, I, I kind of love. I, the I three think by it, nine it is coinc- a home run. It coincides with the window. It speaks well to the room. Unfortunately, I don't think there's a chance in hell Dougie is signing a three-year deal here. Unless he just decides, I want to go all in, and these are my guys. I love playing here, and I think we have a chance. Will it happen? Probably not. So let's talk the more likely scenario that he's not here. What can the Canes do to replace his talent? And we know that's not going to be, in all likelihood, another elite offensive right-shot defenseman. So what can the Canes do to raise the talent level to keep them and get them over the hump? I think there are a few people that they should definitely target uh, on my big board that I have. I have three guys that I'm really high on that two of them have kind of been linked to the Canes. Well, one of them has been linked to the Canes in the past. That's going to be Tarasenko. He's my third guy mm-hmm. on the list. He's a little bit older. He's got the experience winning the Stanley Cup, even with injury and everything along those lines. He's a guy that can score naturally, very pure goal scorer, which we don't really have that. This team is a finisher away on yeah, their I forward agree. Because you look at Ajo's a goal scorer, but he is a right place, right time, hard work, front of the Plays net. again he the right earns way, his puts goals. himself in the right spot. He's an yeah. earn his goals kind of guy. Tarasenko is a I can score on any goalie kind of guy. So he's my number three guy. Uh, number one guy, just because he's been in the news, like wanting out basically, is Jack Eichel. So before you go on to that, I had never really considered it. And oh, I've been I, on the I was Jack listening to uh, Dmitry Filipovich, uh, the PDO cast. Yep. Great work. Um, Man, and he proposed it as like, this is the under-the-radar team that should probably do this. Oh, yeah. I've been and pushing it. I text you about it, and you were like, oh, yeah, just went into this like long you know, diatribe that I think you'll probably give to us here. But it makes sense, and ironically, you can do it and keep Hamilton, which is insane. Oh, yeah. You can, you can do this trade and have what I would consider to be the front runner for next year. Now there are multiple variations to the trade, right? Buffalo is going to want to start at Natchez or Pesci as one of the two main pieces. I think the hurricanes are going to push back really hard and try to keep both of those pieces. So there's a deal where you potentially see probably Natchez, a high end prospect that could be Suzuki or Jarvis and a 2021 draft pick as a starting point and then you have to add Gardner in there to make the money work and stuff like that I think that's a deal yeah that's the framework that's a that's a deal that could happen I think the Canes are going to push back on Nate with Natchez and Pesci and they're in a unique position where I think that they can say no we're not going to give you Natchez and no we're not going to give you Pesci but we're going to give you a deal that is going to be hard to match and what I think my personal deal that I think the Canes would be best to go after is Trocheck, who might not be exactly what they want, but he's a he's a second line center. They're gonna want that. He's young enough. You're gonna have to re-sign him, but they shouldn't have an issue with that. Gardner, we gotta move the contract. Yeah, Gardner just has to go on any Eichel deal. And because we're not giving you a young guy in Natchez, uh we'll 
give you Suzuki and Jarvis Both and a 2021 up. first round draft pick. See, I think that deal is is interesting. And I think it's a good framework um, because one, the, the rumor is they want a number one center. They want a number one D man, a prospect and a first. They probably don't end up getting all four yeah. of those things, no. especially because it's so widely known that Eichel wants out, got to deal with the injury. injury. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't think they end up getting all of those things. You gotta set the bar. I, I love your proposal. I think it probably ends up for them being a little light, just because Trocheck doesn't have term. Um, but he's the type of player plus those prospects that could really get this going. Do you throw in an RFA like a Warren Fogel? Do you throw in a Jake Bean? Any little thing to kind of manipulate it around the periphery of the roster that can get this done? I think it's something worth considering. The beauty of it is, um, Elliot Friedman's probably the best insider in hockey. But the truth of the matter is. Those guys don't seem to have great sources in Carolina. No one reported the Trocheck trade when it came out. It seems like Carolina has flies all these under the radar. Uh, flies under the radar, and then all of a sudden, massive deal. No one had the Hamilton trade a few years ago. It happens. You know, when they bring in free agent signings, it's usually a little later and no one knows. So don't be shocked if one day you're just sitting on your phone, all of a sudden you get a notification saying the Carolina Hurricanes have traded for Jack Eichel. They re-signed Dougie Hamilton, and then, you know, our dream is now they're the number one team going into next year. You know, we can hope. Yeah, and that would be an absolute blockbuster. I think if you did add somebody like Fogel, um, the RFA adds value because they have his rights. Um, the Trocheck deal, it depends on what they think about Trocheck. If they're willing to pay Trocheck, I don't think that's an issue. You do the term does hurt you. I think that's why they get Suzuki and Jarvis. I think in the Nature deal, you don't get both. You probably get one or the other. So I think you look at it and yeah, if, if you throw Fogel in there just to sweeten the pot a little bit, Trocheck, Fogel, Gardner, Suzuki, Jarvis, and a 2021 first. I think I think that's the Kane's dream deal. Um, I, I think for it actually to get done, you're probably losing Natchez, which would really suck. But then you remember you're getting what people at least thought going into this year was a top three center in the world. And, and then does that make you the deepest center group in the entire league? You know, you can control the middle. Your top two lines are just going to be so dominant every night. You're not going to be able to stack against, you know, a TSA line. Um, I, I think getting Jack Eichel to come to Carolina uh, in whatever capacity is at least worth exploring. And I think that he will absolutely love coming from Buffalo and now playing for Rod Brendamore. I don't I don't know how he feels. Like he's a Boston kid. So I don't know how like what market size matters to him or not, or if he's a guy that loves the city, if he's a guy that likes to, you know, maybe be a little more private. I don't know Jack Eichel in those terms. But I can guarantee you that coming and playing for Rod Brendamore will be absolutely great for his career. Just winning, man. Like as much as you may like those like tertiary things, like the city and the environment, being in a play, it's hard to go into the locker room every day when you're losing. It is tough. It's hard to perform. Everyone's down. It it's really messes with your mind. So to come in and be in a winning environment where the tone is set by Rod who probably is better at that than anybody in the league, man, that, that would just be a, a breath of fresh air. I'm excited about it. I hope it happens. It probably won't, but that's why we're here. We can debate it, help you guys think about these things and, you know, 
just talk it through. Yeah, so that's Eichel. That's your number one target. I think that all that opens up the Canes to being a perennial contender for a long time. He's got five years left on his deal, I believe. Five um, by ten. Five right? at ten. And I mean, that's a guy that if he gets healthy, he plays under the right coach. He plays with the light, the right line mates. I mean, and you're talking about a guy that's now gonna have. You're gonna have a. If you keep Natchez and don't trade him, we'll really quickly talk about this and then move on. You would have a top two lines for next year of Svech, Aho, Turbo potentially as one of the lines because I don't think you have a definitive number one line at that point. And then you have Niederreiter, Eichel, Natchez as your second line. And you I mean, can kind of move those six interchangeably, and that is just what, dominant. What like, team is going to be able to consistently defend both of those groups with their with their best guys? We it's we talked about tough. we talked a lot last episode about how talented Tampa is. Well, those six guys right there, probably better. I mean, it just is true. Those are the best. Those would give Carolina the best two line pairing in the league. And oh, Eichel would absolutely change. And, the and, dynamic the, and then, then pair that with the fact that if they're able to hold on to Hamilton, you keep Slave and Hamilton together, which was the number one D pairing in the league last year. Pesci, Shea, think things are looking pretty good and you can make the money work. Yes. The depth in the forwards is going to hurt. You know, you're, you're yeah. not going to be able to spend what well, they spend six mil on their bottom pairing or their bottom forward line this year when it was healthy. Paquette, Martinook, and McGinn, you're not going to be able to do that again. So you're going to lose some guys on the boundaries of the roster. But at the end of the day, this is a superstar-driven league. Go get the best guys and tell the room that, hey, we're all in. We want to win the cup. We believe in you. And we didn't do it at the deadline, but we're going to do it now. Yeah, and just a brief little teaser, and we'll talk about this in future episodes most likely, but if you can have Eichel at 10 million and you can have Hamilton at 9 million. If you do the three by 9 million, you can have Eichel and Hamilton on the team at 10 and 9 million a piece and still have cap space. Plenty of, I mean, they, right now they're projected to have 29 million. Now you got some guys assigned. We're going to break that down next time, but that's a lot to work with in hockey. Hamilton's going to take a chunk. Svetch is going to take a chunk, but there's still room to add. Are you going to have to subtract a gardener? Of course. May it may it cost you Shea? Maybe. We hope not. But the truth of the matter is there's ways to play with the money to keep your best players and ice the best team possible. Yep, and we'll talk about that more in future episodes when we really break down what we see to be a potential roster and then rosters we'd like to see in future episodes. So moving on to guy number two, who's recently kind of talked about wanting out, is a Matthew Kachuk. Seems like Calgary might blow it up. Yeah, and I think they need to. He's the perfect type of player to come in. I mean, when we watch this team play in the playoffs, they're getting the reputation now as a regular season team. You know, I think, in my opinion, that is a little bit uh, exaggerated. People talk too much about the playoffs. It's such a small sample size. Dougie Hamilton can't play in the playoffs. Well, the history of hockey is littered with teams. Example, Tampa Bay Lightning that weren't physical enough, couldn't do it, couldn't play the right way, soft, that couldn't break through, and then they break through. And Tampa's, knock on wood, probably going to win two back-to-back. Just get talented players, man. But if you can get a Matthew Kachuk that can do both, that's awfully tempting as well. Oh, yeah. He's going to be expensive. I haven't really sat down and 
thought about what the price for Matthew Kachuk is. Um, it would be expensive. Would it be Jack Eichel expensive? Probably not. Um, but it's not going to be cheap. It's going to be one of the deals where you feel it in your roster. But at the end of the day, I think you step away from a trade like that, a better team. Yeah, man. It just comes back to me. And this applies to if Dougie stays, but especially if he leaves, you got to replace the talent somehow. And it's going to extract a cost. But at the end of the day, if you want to win a cup, you can't do it cheaply. You got to sign guys. You got to make aggressive moves. And you got to know when you're in your window and maximize it. Absolutely. So those are the three guys. So Eichel, one, Matt Kachuk, two, Vladimir Tarasenko, three. Those are the three guys I see as having the ability to replace Dougie's impact. No doubt. And then there are three other guys that we kind of looked at as guys that could potentially help the roster. I think fourth on the list is going to be a guy, Barkley Goodrow, currently on Tampa Bay. So his deal's up. I think Tampa Bay could probably keep him at about $2 million a year for Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have to do term. some cap gymnastics, which we know they're able to do. Yeah. Um, but he's a guy that's due a pay raise. Would you probably have to overpay to get him? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Now, that becomes a little more feasible if you lose Hamilton. And I think oh, yeah. that becomes a little more appealing if you lose Hamilton. Barkley Gaudreau, and we saw it firsthand, you know, a, a guy that can you know play the game both ends of the ice and can really impact it. Similar to Matt Kachuk, but less skill level in the fact that he's kind of a guy that brings that edge that this team maybe is lacking. Yeah, you're not going to get a ton of points out of him, but you're going to get a guy that plays the way that Rod Brennan Moore will want him to play. He'll, if you lose him again this offseason and you you can immediately insert Goudreau, I think, in your third, your third line, and I think he's going to give you depth. Now, I think that's going to cost to get him to walk from Tampa. I think it's going to have to be $3 million a year at least, and I think – the term we would like, we just keep going back to this is the three year. Three just makes too much sense for future deals. I think three million by three will definitely entice him. I don't think that's something that Tampa can match. If he wants more term, that it might not be a good fit for the Hurricanes, and he may be more likely to stay at a lower dollar value in Tampa. I think Tampa's losing Coleman no matter what, so I think that they're going to try to hold on to Goudreau, but. We'll yeah, but I, I think Barkley Gaudreau is just a, you know, encapsulation of the type of player we're talking about. Yeah. Types of guys that we probably need to bring in that, you know, akin to what Tampa did before winning the cup, they saw how talented they were. They were the best regular season team ever. Again, I think that's overrated because at the end of the day, you win the cup because your skill players. It was Kucherov. It was Hedman. It was Point. Um, but the Gaudreaux's of the world gave them that playoff edge. I don't think your star players have to be those guys. That's why I think the debate with Dougie in the playoffs is very much overrated. But if you throw in guys like Barkley Gaudreau that can be the pest, that can be the sandpaper, it frees up your stars to be stars. Yeah, for sure. So another guy, I know you've been interested for a while. He's been on the block, it seems like, forever. Tell me what you think about Vince Dunn. So Vince Dunn, to me is a guy that I see as Brady Shea insurance. Um, if Shea is taken in the expansion draft, and we'll touch on that at a later date a little bit more, I think Vince Dunn is a guy that would plug in well in Carolina. I think he's had a little bit of 
down times lately. Yeah, just in St. Louis was built similarly to Carolina, at least, you know, earlier renditions of them so heavy on the back end and, you know, just being a guy to, you know, kind of struggled to get to ice time and just hasn't, you know, has been relatively underutilized, but ultra talented. And if you lose a Brady Shea, hell, even if you lose a Dougie Hamilton, he is the kind of guy that can maybe come in here, get a bigger role and flash that talent and, and be a guy that can kind of be the difference making player that we feel like we're losing. Maybe not the same degree, but can ease that loss a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you look at St. Louis and they had they had a year that they probably wish they didn't have and you look at you look at Vince's numbers and they aren't as shiny right now. I think Canes may have inquired on him back when we originally got Edmondson. I think what we were really looking for at some point was done. Um he's a guy that I think could come to Carolina. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I mean, that this deal all kind of predicates off if Shea is here or not. So we'll just kind yeah, of have to Yeah, I don't think they're giving up more. assets unless they lose an NHL. Absolutely. Team. I don't think – I think if you explore the Vince Dunn market, I think that's strictly because of a loss, and that loss would probably be Brady Shea. And we know that the Hurricanes like to get high – reward guys that are yeah, they love down. to buy low they love buy to low. buy low exactly. and, and they've been one of the best in the league at doing that last guy we want to talk about which isn't likely long shot i'm not even sure it makes sense but it's been rumored seth jones is never gonna be a hurricane right i mean i would put about five percent chance on that um it's and that's only a guy i see you pursuing if you lose Dougie and you want to replace Dougie with a right-handed defenseman that is a top-pairing guy. I think he and Slavin would complement each other really well. I think it would be a different dynamic than Slavin and Hamilton. Yeah, I don't think he's as offensively dynamic, but I think maybe, as you were saying before we started recording, he's more of the stay-at-home guy when he plays with Orensky. Well, playing with Slavin, he might be the more offensive guy. You might see a little bit more offense. I don't think he's ever going to be able to play offensively at Hamilton's level, but it would be a really nice plug-and-play replacement who's who's maybe a little more well-rounded. Absolutely. I mean, and you see a guy that's capable of playing marathon minutes. Um, I've seen I've seen so many opinions on him from the next team that signs him to a long-term contract is going to get burned and he's going to be a superstar still. So there's a, li- a mixed opinion on him. He's not the analytics darling that a Dougie Hamilton is. And that's why it's so hard to have these debates oftentimes, especially when you're you know reading a lot of content on the internet because it's, you know, Twitter analytic analytics versus the eye test old hockey guys. And, you know, for a guy like Hamilton that is already so divisive in hockey culture, he, he just, you know, the, the flames get Absolutely. even higher talking about him. Absolutely. So I think it's hard to assess. Seth Jones, hockey people like. And so in he their minds, the he, oh, he does. Sure. He does. He's a stud. I mean, we saw some great performances in Raleigh this year uh, from Seth Jones. I wouldn't be upset to have him, but at the end of the day, I would be thrilled to have him. But at the end of the day, I think it just comes down to price and he's going to be too good. expensive. Cool to think about even less likely than Jack Eichel happening though. Absolutely. And I mean, and part of me is like, and this is not 
going to happen, but the fantasy world I live in is I wouldn't hate the interdivisional trade of sign and trade Dougie Hamilton as part of the Seth Jones package. And I think that lightens your burden, makes him a little more attainable. But then the whole question becomes, well, you've now got him. You, you're not going to pay that price for one year. So what's the Seth Jones contract? It's a like? rental. And if they're not going to pay Hamilton, they're not going to pay Jones. It It's one of those good in theory, bad in practice, never going to happen type deals. So love this discussion tonight. I think it's really substantive. Looking forward to next week. We'll do our second offseason uh, report. We'll get into those RFAs and UFAs and kind of map out what we think those contracts are look like. Yep. Tentatively, with that in mind, start planning for what could happen in the expansion draft and probably the week following, get into the amateur draft, reviewing uh, all possibilities for the expansion draft and really just continue to set the table for the offseason. What do you think? Yeah, and we'll just start to build our roster out. And as we go, we'll make changes as they happen. But part of what we want to do is sit down, build what we think the next roster looks like, explain our reasonings for why it looks like that, and and see how we end up. No doubt. And that's the fun part about this is similar to the thought that I got listening to Dimitri Filipovich, we would kind of want to do that with you and conceptualize and give a, give you our thought process, which adds context. We're not just throwing these things against the wall. They're, they're researched and, but it's cool to balance ideas off each other. We're growing through this. We hope you'll grow with us and continue to support the podcast. Um, thank you for joining us on the second episode. Mike, tell us where they can find us. You can follow us on Instagram at the rod, the podcast and on Twitter at the podcast. Please make sure to subscribe, follow, like, and rate the podcast on whatever platform you are listening on. We are on, but not limited to, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and YouTube. As always, thanks for listening, and don't hesitate to reach out on any platform.